Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. And this is a bonus episode of the Intentional Encourager podcast. I had the really awesome, distinct pleasure of interviewing Phil and Al Robertson. Phil Robertson's new book, Jesus Politics, released the first part of August. It's a fantastic book. It's a follow-up to his book, The Theft of America's Soul. If you remember Phil Robertson and Al Robertson and that family, they, for several years, had the hit TV show Duck Dynasty that at one time was one of the most popular television shows in the United States. And it's a great honor to, to have this bonus episode of the Intentional Encourager podcast for you to listen to as they talk about Jesus politics. I'm so thankful. Uh, Al has been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast, hoping one day to get Phil on. But again, I hope you enjoy this bonus episode of Intentional Encouragement here with Phil and Al Robertson on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Gentlemen, good morning. How are you this morning? Good to talk with you, man. As we say down here, Brian, we're better than frog hair. <laughs> hey, as we say up here, we're hanging on like a hair in a biscuit. So, you know. We, we just we just throw the we throw the uh, the uh, the greetings back that way. Phil, what a divine time to write this book! And I know you you had no idea that that we were going to be in a pandemic and there was a lot of things going on. Where did the idea for this book first originate? And and what were you what was your thoughts around putting it together first and foremost? I read. And everyone needs to read this, Second Peter 2, now verse 4. If God did not spare, this is the motivation for me to write the book. Uh, if God did not spare the angels, the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into gloomy dungeons to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on it, on ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and here's what really spurred me on. And if he rescued Lot, hmm, he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men. For that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and to hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. I read that and I said, oh, Lot was standing there looking around at Sodom and Gomorrah thinking, man, what in the world 
Well, fast forward all these thousands of years, and I'm looking at the same thing yep. on our streets everywhere. I mean, Jesus, God is mocked. Jesus is slandered. And we see all this, and I'm like, I said, I at least can make an attempt to point these people to Jesus so that they would bow their knee to him and him only. All this talk about race. The Apostle Paul said, from one man, God made every nation of men. That's he right. determined the time set for them, exact places they should live. So they're just one race on planet Earth, contrary to what my college professors told me. Yep. They're just one race, the human race. Yep. But just look what we've done to that. It is pathetic to watch, and it's satanic from start to finish. Well, and, and so I hopefully this will help. Well, and, and, and Phil and, and Al both, I, I think this book perfectly marries with the last book. You can see it over my right shoulder, The Theft of America's Soul, because now all of a sudden we are getting into a situation where folks are, are, are being told – if you don't support this cause, you're wrong. If you don't do this, you're racist. Again, more lies perpetuated by the enemy. And now, Phil, it's gone to our political arena, but it's mushroom, like a mushroom cloud, to where Christian people, there's a fog that is being put over people's eyes politically. When you think about that, did, did you think about, this book being a follow-up to theft of America's soul or it was it designed precisely to be, precisely precisely that's exactly what we did in other words I've said this before if I want our people via this book and via common sense and logic just to look around and remember we the kingdom of God Jesus being the king he comes down to the earth our calendar documents it 2020 years ago, he becomes flesh, God in flesh, Jesus. He dies on a cross for the sins of the world, was buried and raised from the dead, stayed 40 days and went back into heaven. He's there 24 seven to constantly cleanse us when we make mistakes. Right. Our past sins are removed, no future ones counted against us. We have God's spirit in us, guaranteeing we can be raised from the dead. And somebody is going to say, well, the fix here in, the, these, in this democratic republic, the fix is man-made politics. I said, no. I said, without Jesus, all these empires, you see them rise, and they'll turn from God, and they'll begin to scoff and all this in the streets, and you see them collapse over and over and over and over. I'm just trying to remind them, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, the Apostle Paul said, but fellow citizens with God's people. We are citizens of the kingdom of God inside an earthly kingdom. Earthly kingdoms rise and they fall. This kingdom, the eternal one, set up by God himself through King Jesus. When Pilate said, so you're a king, he said, you've said it. But my kingdom is not of this world. It's from another place. Well, God's people have to remember, we're the soldiers of the cross. We're the ones, we're right. the point of the spear. We're God's people, members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus, the King himself as the chief cornerstone, in him the whole building, that's us, the people, God's people, we're joined together, rise to become a holy temple. Let's see, citizens, household, building, temple, being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Yep. We're trying to get people to see it's a spiritual fix, but the people of God have to rise up and take it to the enemy. And the, the enemy is numerous. I pulled up at the little structure where I go on Sunday mornings. I don't charge them anything. It's about 60% African-American, 20% white. So we're all in there together. We've got a meal. The homeless are coming in. We're all eating a meal and everybody's eating biscuits and all that. We love one another. We stop in the middle of all of it. Remember the blood of Jesus that was shed, the wine and the bread. Mm -hmm. We stop. We remember Jesus. I give them a few words. A couple of weeks ago, I pull up there and some guy is hollering, he's a racist. He's a, he's a mm. you know, a, what? A, white supremacist. A white supremacist. And my bodyguard went over there and said, hey, dude, you need to come in there. He'll point you to Jesus. That's what, that's what he's all about. Come on in there. White supremacists, over half the congregations are African-American. What are you talking about? But it's that kind of stuff. We have armed men on our right and on our left when I'm giving a Bible lesson in these United States. Armed men, law enforcement, hmm. are on both sides of me. Did you ever think we would be down to that? Therefore, we're going to have to rise up and take the gospel to them unashamed and preach the good news, forgive them for whatever they've done. And maybe, yeah. by the way, I baptized three of them out of that group. One was from New Jersey, who came all the way down here. One was from Indiana, a heroin addict, she said. She had been clean three months. She wanted me to baptize them. And another one from South Louisiana. So look, I thought, well, let's see. They want to respond to the gospel through faith. They want to be baptized. Uh, I'm ready. Then I thought, wait a minute, social distancing. Uh, we can't baptize them unless you tie a rope on them because you got to be six foot from them. Nah, forget that. They want to go to water. You, we, we baptize them. <laughs> so you know what I did? I baptized I them. I bet you did. If you raise a dead man, if you raise a dead man from the ground, why am I worried about some kind of pandemic? So we went ahead on with it. We're still alive, all of us. Hey, why didn't that surprise me? If somebody wants to be baptized, you take them to water, right? Well, yeah, the text, all the texts about baptism, they say, uh, baptize them, uh, make disciples, Jesus said, and baptize them. And, but, but unless there's a pandemic, if there's a pandemic, all, all bets are off. No. 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 So we just have to go forward with the gospel and, uh, and not be afraid. Just take it to them. It's a spiritual fix in America. It really is. We, now, we, we, run it, we run God out of school system. 60 years ago this has been brewing for 60 years yep we we ran god out of hollywood he's gone ran him out of the school system he's gone ran him out of the government he's gone ran him out of the news media so unless somebody stands up and said what in the world are y'all doing so hopefully jesus politics will help a little yep I want to come to you real quick. I, I want to tap into your experience in, in pastoring because for years, 
so many pastors were were told and taught we we can't talk politics from the pulpit you know it, and 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 being in sales a long time as i as i've been that's one thing that they say well you never talk religion and politics when you're in sales but as pastors especially they, it was always it, it, no matter the denomination it was always considered taboo to talk politics why do you feel pastors now need to be talking about the things that are happening politically now more than ever? Well, I think, first of all, that was a, just a lie by the evil one to begin with. And that's a fairly Good new point. thing. Because, you know, you go back whenever the country was founded, you know who was rallying all the troops in the Revolutionary War? It was, it was the pastors. It was the, the guys in the churches, the vicars, you know, all those guys, church houses, as they call them back then, they were the rallying points for people uh, to stand up for their rights and to do something different. So what's happened is over the course of time, this, this current left-wing idea is they basically have threatened, only certain churches, by the way, others, you know, you can be as political as you want. Yep. But you, you know, we're gonna take away your tax status, blah, 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 they're gonna tie it to all this stuff. And I think they've cowed a lot of people into just not talking about it. They'll say, you know, you don't talk, if you preach, you know, you don't talk about politics, you know, because that's too divisive, you know, you got people in your congregation. So they've quieted the very people that should be rallying people to the forefront, especially in this, you know, cultural war that's going on. And, you know, churches, I think, got to fighting so much with one another over a little this, that, that's meaningless arguments and genealogies that they, the whole thing was falling down around them. And they're just like, oh, should we be engaged in culture? Kind of <laughs> I mean, fiddling while Rome was burning, other. right? Exactly. And everything, and those churches just shrinking and getting smaller and smaller. And then you see this other, and it's a religion, let's face it. This leftism stuff now, it's full-blown religion. I mean, they, and, and they're out in the streets, and that's what they're doing. They're worshiping a God that they have no idea who he is and, and an ideology, exactly right. have no idea what it is. Talking to Phil and Al Robertson, Phil's new book, Jesus Politics, releases August 4th. And we're going to tell you how you can get a signed copy if you want to and, and some other ways that you can connect and get this book in your hands. You're going to want to get this book. Folks, we're three months away from a national election. And in our state of West Virginia, we're three months away from a gubernatorial election. You're going to want to get your hands on this book. Phil, I, I want to ask you that chapter one, I love this, a kingdom manifesto. Because you hear a lot of these groups out there, these radical groups that you talked about, and they've all got manifestos. But we also, as children of God, have a manifesto. Talk a little bit about that. Noel uh, Lennon, Nikolai Lennon, who was in with Karl Marx when he put forth his manifesto, Lennon said, the old communist from Russia, he said, religion is the opium of the people. You must take it out, all of it. You have to get rid of Jesus before, you, before Satan can run the thing. Listen to this. I urge you in view of God's mercy. He sent Jesus to be a sacrifice to die a horrible death for our sins and raised him three days later. In view of that, God's mercy, offer your bodies, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, 
to God, holy and pleasing, which is your spiritual act of worship. What our people need to remember is worship doesn't start and end at a two-hour Sunday morning service. That's right. When you walk out that door, you don't leave Jesus behind. The Holy Spirit of God is in all of us. We're God's building. Watch. Mm -hmm. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You'd like to remember, my man, <clears throat> if somebody sees me walking down the road, I doubt most people, if they didn't know who I was, they would say, there goes a priest in the priesthood right there. They think the same thing with me, Phil. Same thing with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you are chosen. You're chosen people. Just look at these titles on top of the ones I've already given you. Royal priesthood, holy nation, people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Look, I came out of, talk about black darkness, pathetic, you know, drunken, whoremonger, smoking dope, cursing. Well, he called me out and you and everyone else into his wonderful life. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have. And he mm -hmm. ends that up, this is First Peter 2, he ended up by saying, I urge you as aliens and strangers to in this world to abstain from sinful desires which war against yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it, you say, if you follow Jesus faithfully, there are a few out there, my man, that will say, in fact, that's a strange bunch. They yeah. act like they like foreigners. If you live this out before, the manifesto begins with two small little items. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor for the life of me. I do not see the downside to that. Yep. Do you? No, not, love not God at all. Love your neighbor. Not at all. And, and the thing of it is, Phil, in, in these political rallies and things like that, do you see a lot of love happening between people that are supposed to be united together for the same Zero. cause? Zero. That's exactly Zero. right. They're, they're too busy wanting Think to loot and pillage and everything else. Yeah. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, they have hate. Joy, they're in despair. And we're sitting there, we're happy because we have the spirit of God. Love, joy, peace, no. All I see is war. Love, joy, peace, patience. You're like, you can't get them to shut up for three minutes just to say, just think about what God has done for you. Life and immortality, little girl, life and immortality. I saw some signs the other day and the signs said, these little 25 year old girl, white girls, they had these signs and it said, we're going to hell, and we're proud. My Lord. I'm like, we're going to hell. Always remember this. You're never going to see me holding a stick with a sign walking down some street in New York City or any other city. I'm not going to walk down the road with a sign over saying anything, ever. It's, it's, it's downright uh, sad. No, you're 100%. You're our, our job is to turn them. So we're trying to turn them, but it's a full-time job, I tell you that. Al, I love chapter three in the book. I want to get your thoughts on it, on the king's capital. And, and I, I like the way you guys did it because, to me, that, that, that spelling of, of – and, and people don't realize 
that capital is spelled in two ways. There is the capital with an L where, where the seat of government sits. But you guys, I think you, you, and maybe you did, didn't, but it looks to me like the capital on the king's capital, in other words, we know that the Bible tells us that, that the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns everything. I want you to go a little bit about this chapter because that really caught my attention on the king's capital. We have unlimited resources as children of God. Yeah, and you know, I mean, the Bible tells us clearly that our citizenship is not here. I mean, it, it is it is greater. And so as much as we're proud, I mean, I'm proud of my blue passport, especially when I'm in another country that I am in the United States of America, my citizenship is bigger and it's broader. And there, when I go when I go to Africa or when I go to, you know, some other country and I meet brothers in Christ and sisters in Christ, I mean, we're different nationalities, we're different, you know, a lot of different things, but at the same time, we got the unifier. So that, that's the main thing. It's such a big unifying opportunity. And at a time when we're so divided, it is the answer, but not that many people are talking about it because everybody's just into their you know, what? I'm a left winger, I'm a right winger, I'm a this, I'm a that. And so you stay in those camps and the one unifier is something bigger. And if you're part of that kingdom, you know, you, you would find a way to get along, even if you saw the world differently. I mean, it, it would happen. So I think that's part of that idea. That is the true capital. I mean, it's in heaven mm -hmm. and which is bigger than anything that can be on this earth. So if you, if you had that view, that spiritual view of where your capital really is and where your king really is, it changes everything. Uh, you know, and so that's what we're trying to do is raise this discussion above yeah. the pit, you know, that it's currently in. Because it's just, I mean, and look, we got some fighters in the pit. You know, I appreciate Donald Trump and a lot of other people trying to do what they're trying to do. But they're in the pit. You know, they, they can't see beyond that. We look at it from that higher perspective. Well, and, and you know, it would be foolish for people to take everything that they own and and we i live 20 minutes from the ohio river it would be foolish for me to sell my home and all of my property and take everything i own and just chuck it into the ohio river that would be a wise that would be an unwise investment of capital and i love what you said there al that a lot of people that are following in these different pathways have no idea what they're throwing away by walking down these different paths that's right and and look that's the thing about it if we're co-heirs with christ then we have it all anyway i mean yep. it, and whatever happens on this earth i i can i can go to liberia and i can meet with some people and I, i'm serious they don't they make you know a, a dollar a day i mean they're just literally it's one meal to the next and yet they're singing they're praising God. I mean, they're, they're having a show and joy for one another. Here, we always say, well, you know, if we don't have a certain this, this, or this, then we're unhappy. We're bitter. I got to get my part. I got to get mine. I got I to get that check from the government. I mean, that's just, that's all a selfish, only looking at it from what little possessions, and that's what's kept it where they are. I mean, think about it. You, you don't have any success until you're not worried about that sort of thing. And then, you're, you know, we've, been, we've had money and resources because God has blessed us. But at one time we had the same attitude and we had nothing. We were sitting right here in the same house, you know, living fish to fish. That's exactly how yeah. we made it. And we had the same mindset then as we do now. So it's not linked to the capital of this earth. It's got to be linked to something greater.
You know, I was praying this morning. I'm glad you brought that up. I was praying this morning, and my wife and I live in a, in a nice mobile home on a piece of property. And maybe by the world standard, it's, it's not the, the, the best of the best, but it's home, and God's given it to us, and God's blessed us with it. And, and we have lost the ability, even in, in churches, Al, and I love what you said there. I want to piggyback on that for just a second. We feel like if we don't have a, a, a padded pews or nice chairs to sit in when we go to a sanctuary, the house of worship, it's like, man, we got to raise a half a million dollars to get us a new church building because this just isn't good enough anymore. It didn't, but in other parts of the world, our church buildings that we think are not good enough would be palaces to those people. Phil, how do you think we have gone so far astray from that? Because you mentioned just a few minutes ago, and I know where you guys minister on Sundays, you're not in a big church building. You're out among the people under a, a probably like a picnic shelter, if, I, if I'm imagining it right. But yet you Don't feel you. the presence of God. You're worshiping the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength as the Bible commands. What do you say to those people that say, well, Phil, why don't you take that thing to a building or why don't you take that thing to a big auditorium and do that for those people? What everyone has to remember, our brothers and sisters in Red China, and there's a lot of them, you say, do what? In North Korea, we have our brothers and sisters. In Iran, we have our brothers and sisters. We're worldwide. But when you're in communist China or you're in with North Korea and you live there, you've heard the gospel, you've given your life to Jesus. Listen, the last thing you want to do is go to a place with a tall steeple on it to let the communist authorities know where you are. So they're whispering, they're, mm -hmm. they're whispering, they're hiding, they're underneath all of that. But the kingdom's still there. And it's operating that. You got to remember, I mean, where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I'll be there. So we, for 250 years from the time the kingdom came in Acts chapter 2, the big wind and the spirit, and they spoke in all the languages of the world, and they said, this thing is going worldwide. Well, you know what? It did. It did go worldwide. And you're like, so the last thing we're worried about is building a structure that costs a half million when we can just be at home or over there, over here. We are the church. The term going to church is not even in the Bible. Yep. So once you get it confined down to a structure for 250 years, they didn't have any church buildings. And if when the Romans found out they had one, the first thing they would do was destroy it. Therefore, watch. He, uh, this is Colossians 1.13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. The truth set us free from Satan, sin, guilt, the law, and the grave. Mm -hmm. I call that game set match. He's rescued us and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Yep. And you look at that, you say, we're worldwide. And a lot of people saying, who? We say, we, follow, we the Jesus people. Yep. And, and that's the way we roll. So 
they can't stamp it out. The Roman Empire tried to stamp it out. But, you know, they're down now over there in, in Italy. Pretty good pizzas, and they make some pretty good shotguns, we see. Yep. But that's about yep. as far as it goes. Well, I, you, you they're not meant, a world power anymore. Yep. You mentioned, hey, listen, you, you start mentioning Acts chapter 2 to a Pentecostal, you get them happy. That's all I'm going to say right there. <laughs> it gets me happy, too. That's right. Spending a few more minutes with Al and Phil Robertson talking about the new book, Jesus Politics. And uh, Al, I want to throw this one to you, Kingdom-Centered Healthcare. And, and, and Phil, you, you and Al both chime in on this one. But, man, when we're talking about our healthcare system being taxed like it is with this pandemic, and we're talking about people seeking out care and, and people up here in West Virginia, we, we've now done these drive-through testing sites. And it's gotten to the point where some people have had to get out of line. They've filled their paperwork out and they've had to leave and go to work and things like that. Those that, that, that have jobs to go to and they're coming back and they're testing them positive for COVID. And they, they've never even once, put the swab up their nose or anything like that. Our healthcare system right now is in serious need of repair. But I want you to talk about kingdom-centered healthcare. I love that, 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 that chapter in the book. Well, I mean, it's a, again, it's that bigger, broader view again, because if you believe that you were created in the image of God, and so he created you, and then if you have then reconnected with God or connected with God and then have eternal life waiting on you, then really this whole thing about healthcare is not that big of a deal. I remember you were raised, we didn't have any insurance. No. No kind of insurance. Never. Dad said, yeah. Dad used to say when he was back before he was a Christian, he said that you, know, you want to avoid two people, insurance salesmen and preachers, because their <laughs> hair is slicked back and they're going the other way with your money. Well, so, and, 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 so that, but and there's yeah. some truth to both of those. But the idea was, is that even then, there's not, there wasn't a lot of trustworthiness in in insurance companies and in healthcare. And look, right. there's still not. I mean, it's it's predicated. You know how it is. You go in, you say, I need something done, and they say, Well, do you have insurance? Well, so how much does it cost? Well, you tell me whether you have insurance. Why would it matter? But it does. The I heard you guys talk about system. that on the Unashamed right. podcast. I, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you were talking about that with your knee with, with on, on an Unashamed podcast. That's exactly right. And it, and it wound up being a, a $1,000 difference because they're going to stick it to the insurance, which is the whole problem. And once again, the government, you know, former President Obama comes in and says, oh, we're going we're gonna to fix this thing like you can't believe. And boy, it really fixed it, didn't it? It's so much better now than it, than it was before. Oh, leaps and bounds. Uh, with, with, yeah, with the government coming in. So what we're saying is, let's go higher. Let's just, you know, you look, you got to make do. Stuff happens to you. you. You make your way through. You do the best you can. It's, it's a mess. I realize that. But ultimately, if I believe that I'm going to be resurrected from the dead and live forever, then you know what? Coronavirus, whatever is not going to be my ultimate fear. Yeah. I mean, I just don't have that. So, and so I think, again, that's that kingdom view uh, that gets bigger than just the minutia of kind of what goes on day to day. And Phil, I, I wanted to, to jump you in back into that part of the conversation too, because so many Christians we see in the book of James, where the Bible says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church 
and they'll lay hands on the sick, and the Bible says they shall recover. Jesus even said that. You're going to pray for the sick, and they're going to get healed. And so why do you think that, that a lot of Christians have strayed away from the book when it comes to health care and healing? Because, and again, I think we've got good doctors that have good training, but, but the great physician is on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And, and a lot of times we'd rather run to the doctor or call Pastor Al and say, you know, pray for me instead of praying for ourselves. Well, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, God, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. This is 1 Thessalonians 4.11. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Well, we know where their bodies are. They're in the cemetery. Mm -hmm. But when their body falls asleep, their soul and their spirits go on to be with God. We believe Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, here comes Jesus, end of time, those who have fallen asleep in him. Well, what's the only thing he could be bringing with them? Their souls, their spirits. Yep. And look, he goes on to say there's a bodily resurrection and we will be equipped with new bodies, glorified bodies that will live forever. When I look at that, I say, you know, whether you got a lot of insurance, we didn't have insurance around here for about 50 years. And one time, Miss Kay said, uh, uh, are we ever going to get any insurance? And I said, if you get enough money, I said, you got to have a lot of money to have a lot of insurance. I said, but we'll get there one of these days. Don't worry about it. So for 50 years, we had zero coverage with anybody. I had that liability on your truck because, you know, it's, it was against the law unless you, you have liability right. That's right. But we had no insurance. I said, when you get plenty of money, honey, and it's coming, I said, God's going to bless us. I said, get all the insurance you want, all the way down to reckless walking with, with the possibility of stumbling. I said, get every kind of insurance. <laughs> so listen, that moment she took off when the money started flowing and God started blessing us. She took off, and now, I'll tell you, we got every kind of insurance known to man. But in order to have man-made insurance, you have to just about be rich to have it. That's right. It's so expensive. So all of the, my people, my cousins and my in-laws, I was born in 46, in the 40s and 50s, going into the 60s, no one had any insurance. And yep. we didn't even worry about it. We just have an injury, you know, Every once in a while, they'd take us to the clinic and sew us up. But uh, and they'd say, what, what I owe you, Doc? And he'd say, all oh, about a book. Yep. And, and that, that was the way healthcare was going on. So we have really turned it now. It's a money-making enterprise from way back in it out. Well, and they'll say, you hear, these, you hear these Marxists, and they'll say, you've got a right. You've got a human right to healthcare. I mean, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, we've got a right to take care of each other and try yeah, to help people. I, I like eternal health care, which God provides. That's right. Because it's free. It's free. That's exactly right. <laughs> I take that all day. And, and like we say up here, Phil, I take that every day and twice on Sunday. You bet you. <laughs> hey, one, just a couple more minutes we've got with you guys. I want you both to talk about the importance of praying before you go to the voting booth. Because – 
and, and I thought about this this morning. My dad always told me, uh, my late dad always told me, he said, son, because we sang in church. My dad said, you better pray before you sing. And then my dad told me the first time before I voted in 1992 for the first time as a 20-year-old, he said, you better pray before you go in that voting booth, son. And so, Phil, and I, I want you guys to talk about the importance of prayer because there are going to be folks that, that are going to walk in and they're going to go, well, bless God, I'm a Republican or bless God, I'm a Democrat. And, and we've done that up here in West Virginia for 80-plus years. You know, you, you voted the, the whoever, what letter you belong to. But we've got to get to praying in the booth. I want you guys to, to as we finish up, talking about that. Well, I just say that I think you should pray before you do anything, especially choose leaders uh, and, and even pray for them, uh, you know, for, for the wisdom that happens as a result of that. No matter who wins an election, whether it's the president or all the way down to governors and local people, I mean, ultimately, we have to have the connection to God because we're going to have to live for him, whoever wins. So I, I think the part of that prayer is prepping yourself for saying that you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, no matter who's in charge, no matter what they're trying to push on people. But of course we need to pray that we're going to get better people in there. But dad says it all the time. It, unless we have better people, we're not going to get better government. I mean, that's where it's coming from. It's the rot of the people is the reason out of the rot of the government. So you can do all the low approval ratings you want to for Congress and all these other things, but they are truly representative of the people in our country. So that needs to be the prayer first and foremost, that we have more people turning their hearts to God, I think. We were praying for Donald Trump, my man. And look, I've met with him three times, personally met with him three times. This Bible right here in my hand, this is what we discussed all three times from start to finish. That's myself and the current president of the United States. He listened intently. I would show him the Bible verses and I was pointing him to Jesus and the response, living by faith, the power of the spirit. I, I told him something to the effect, listen, uh, trust me when I tell you, you're going to need some divine intervention. That's right. This is over. Well, I looked up and he won. One of the meetings was before we ran. The other two, one on the phone and one in person up here. But it is interesting that our current president, we talked Bible and God and Jesus and Holy Spirit. When I met with him, that tells you right there, you know, there's still hope, my man. There is. There is. Guys, I can't thank you enough for your time today, Phil and Al, but this has been wonderful conversation. We could take it for hours, but you guys got to go record your own Unashamed podcast and folks can find it. Your That podcast is growing like a weed. It's growing like Louisiana catfish, ain't it, Phil? It is. A lot of people. They're listening. coming from all over the country, you know, no doubt about it. We're taking them to the river. Phil, Phil I got to ask you, pretty cool. did you ever think you'd be an internet sensation in computer land, as you like to call it? What is amazing is I've never turned on the internet, <laughs> and I've never owned a cell phone. And, and they said, well, everybody else got one of them. I said, how are we going to get to them? They said, well, you're going to talk into this mic and it'll be beamed across computer land and they'll hear it. I'm like, but I've never looked at it to see what they're saying about me. No telling what they're saying about probably cussing me out. Well, between between the eunuch and Al, I think you, you, you probably don't even really need a cell phone. You, I think you, you, you're in good shape. Hey, Al, tell the That's folks right. real He's quick how they can get 
a hold of Jesus politics? So uh, August 4th is uh, the day the book releases. And uh, of course you can pre-order. I'm not sure when this is uh, uh, going to be uh, on air, but uh, pre-order or, or once it comes out, you can go to amazon.com, all the typical places that you buy your books. Uh, we encourage you to do that. Not only is it a great read and, and, and timely, uh, but it's also helping support what we're trying to do. Uh, so we need folks to, to, to rally in there. And uh, when we get good books out there, instead of these trashy things and tell-alls that you see now coming out every week, we want something that has some substance to it. And that's what this is. Well, when, when the governor releases all the, all the hillbillies in West Virginia to head down to the Redneck Riviera in Myrtle Beach, they can take a copy of Jesus Politics with them because they're going to need to read something when they're, when they're sunning on the, on the Redneck Riviera, as we call it. And, and we need to put yeah. Jesus Politics in their hands. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. And until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.